you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. necessarily symbolic by by the anointing of God and the anointing of man is a little more of symbolic terms talking about a work of the spirit that God does and imparts to us and gives to us and then there is the physical anointing which is the literal anointing and that's why that I brought with me uh, the oil uh, vial that it's normally sets over behind the speaker uh, the anointing vial, there's anointing here, nothing supernatural about this anointing. This is olive oil that you can buy across the street at, uh, at the store. You can go to Walmart or a supermarket and buy olive oil and uh, simply what it is. Now, um, I'm not certain that this olive oil perhaps has been mingled with some uh, aromatic, is that how you say it, uh, spices and things that make it smell good. My wife, uh, she concocts mixtures and puts together, uh, giving some symbolic figure to um, the biblical perspective of how the anointing oil was made. And um, she has a recipe that she uses and mixes and puts it together and um, some of us have smelled it so much that uh, uh, brother Danny's nodding his head he doesn't necessarily enjoy the smell of that uh, nothing spiritual about that that is a that is uh, just a symbolic um, thing that we do uh, whether you anoint with uh, straight olive oil or whatever but we take that oil and of course pray over it uh, consecrate it to the Lord and um, anointed and consecration runs hand in hand. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, the anointing of God is a spiritual anointing that comes to us through preparation. There, without preparation, there is no anointing of God. Uh, the anointing of God comes through preparation many different facets and areas of uh, preparation that bring about the anointing. Uh, I believe that there is a certain level of anointing that rests upon, uh, upon us at different points. We're going to talk a little bit about the tabernacle tonight and how that at the tabernacle, as you go into the tabernacle, you don't just go to one place, but when you go by 
uh, the altar and you go to the laver of water and to um, the table of showbread. Each, there's a movement from place to place and each is moving us closer to the Holy of Holies. And each of those areas were very important. Each of those were anointed. Each of those had a sprinkling of blood. Uh, all of those were, were very important. Um, and so comes the anointing of preparation. Uh, our time uh, of rehearsal or our time of study prior to teaching or preaching, the amount of time, there is an anointing that comes with that, that God honors our time. He gives inspiration um, to our time of study. I believe that when we're studying to preach, that we're anointed. For those of you that have taught, there's an anointing that comes through that. But there, that's a level of anointing. There is an anointing that comes through prayer. Prayer prepares us spiritually. Uh, there, is, there, there is an anointing to that. I often have mentioned to our ministers, young ministers in the church, that uh, in, in preparation, there is the preparation of the sermon, and then there's the preparation uh, of the, the, the preacher, of the sermon giver. Uh, that's why it's important for us to find rest. I, I spoke to someone uh, even today about the preparation of, of the preacher. Uh, we must be prepared before we can bring forth the, the scripture. And, uh, and, and there's typology all through the scripture before that the priest could ever go in to minister in the tabernacle. He, he, he had to go through the cleansing, putting on of the garment, the, the oil was poured out upon him, which was symbolic of the anointing. But there was a physical oil. They literally uh, took oil, not just a little oil. They took about seven quarts, enough to run that vehicle of yours, some, maybe more than goes in some of those small engines. And they poured that out on the head of, of the, the priest before he ever went in to, uh, to do the work of ministry. And so there is the physical preparation, which uh, is very important for uh, the man of God or that is coming forth to speak, the, the, the giver of, of the Word of God. As they come forth to speak, they have to be studied and prepared uh, with information and materials. They have to be spiritually prepared that comes through prayer, fasting, uh, that that. There's an anointing that comes with that, and then there is the preparation of rest uh, so that we can be uh, mentally and emotionally in charge as we are bringing forth the, the Word of God. Uh, the anointing is spoken of in Leviticus. I'll read a text uh, because some of you like for me to read text. I'll read a text tonight. I'm going to be jumping around in Scripture, reading several different passages tonight. But I'm going to read from Leviticus, the 8th chapter, and uh, this is under uh, the law and uh, speaking regarding the anointing. And uh, Leviticus chapter 8, if you have your Bibles and would like to turn there, uh, Moses took the anointing oil. Now this is a physical anointing, so he took the anointing oil and he anointed the tabernacle and all that was Therein, everything that was in the tabernacle, he anointed them and sanctified 
them. What that means is sanctified them wholly uh, unto the Lord. They're, this is a consecration. He sanctified them wholly unto the Lord um, and anointed the altar and all his vessels, both the laver and his foot, to sanctify them. So they're set apart. They are sanctified. And he poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head, the priest. He poured the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. Now this is, remember this is Old Testament. I'm going to try to get us, we're going to spend a lot of time in the Old Testament tonight, but I'm going to try to get us out of the Old Testament and into the New Testament so we can understand more clearly why that we need the anointing. How many of you know we need the anointing of God? We need the anointing. It's the anointing that makes the difference. The Bible said that it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. A lot of things that we deal with would be taken care of if we would deal with the anointing instead of dealing with the issue. Sometimes we try to deal with too many issues. You can't counsel your way through some things. You can't rationalize your way through some things. Some things comes only through the anointing, and it requires the anointed, the anointed man of God, the anointed word of God, the anointed child of God. So it comes through the anointing. And there are levels of anointing, and I'm going to talk about the levels a little bit tonight. There are levels of anointing, a little bit of anointing, greater anointing, more anointing, um, great anointing. So um, David's first anointing took place among his brothers. Now watch, watch this with me. His first anointing took place among his brothers. And with that anointing, David was able to do some great things because he was anointed. Now, I know we've got young people in here tonight, and I hope that I can teach you on a level to hold your attention tonight because I want you to get this. Because we have, I believe we have some anointed young people in this room. We have some anointed young people. They are anointed to do the work of God. At their young age, they are already, I feel the Holy Ghost even when I say it. They are anointed at a young age to do the work of God. And, and we, I think we are a church that's far past. We can go back and look at some incredible things. Some, we have, how many of you are part of, I, uh, part of uh, P7 clubs in your school? We got some P7 club students that, uh, that have been involved in P7 clubs. Uh, let's go back, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, 12 years ago, 14 years ago to just across the street almost, uh, Spencer in elementary school leading I Pray, getting, uh, which now today is, is the model for, P, for the P7 clubs. Uh, even as a, a student anointed of God leading kids uh, from, that, uh, from that I Pray um, Bible study group, there were kids that were baptized in Jesus' name. And the effects of that is still being felt and still being heard. Um, so I believe we have some anointed young people. But I, I want you to understand this. There are levels of anointing. David's first anointing 
took place among his brothers. And with that anointing, David did some unbelievable exploits. He killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands. He couldn't have done that without the help of the Lord. You understand that. It's far too great for him. David, none, any of you think you could tackle a lion and a bear with your bare hands? You probably think you could. But doubtful that you would be successful with a lion and a bear with bare hands. Um, just not, the, the odds are going to be stacked against you. But David, being uh, a shepherd and being a lad at that, being a student, your age perhaps, uh, tackled a lion and a bear with his hands. And he was able to do that because David was anointed. It was an anointing that was given him by his father among his brothers. And so uh, he, he killed a lion and a bear. And that same anointing was upon him when he, uh, when he found the uncircumcised Philistine, that he was defying the armies of the living God. And David went against him and he slew Goliath and he cut off his head. And he did that with that first anointing. And uh, he even led an army uh, while he was under that particular anointing that, was re that rested upon him. He did some amazing things. Lions, bears, Goliath, oh my. And um, he, he was able to do some, some, some great exploits. But before David could lead Judah, before he could lead the nation, it required a fresh and greater anointing for him. There was another anointing that had to be placed upon him before he could go to the next level. This is what I want you to understand, young people. Don't ever get lifted up in pride and arrogance when God uses you. Uh, now, this is going to happen. I want you to get this. And I'm not just speaking to young people here, but I'm speaking to all the other young people that are, that are in the room tonight, to the whole group of young people, gray-headed young people, everybody in the room. But don't ever get lifted up and exalted when God uses you. Because it is God working through you. Don't get exalted and lifted up. David did some great exploits, but before he could ever lead the nation, he had to be anointed with fresh oil. Before he could lead Judah, he, there was another level of anointing that had to be placed upon him. Just because you were anointed to minister, to do the work of God, to see people saved, to teach Bible studies through, doesn't mean that you are ready to, to shift gears and go to the next level. So we have to be careful. A lot of people are used slightly of God, maybe some used in greater ways, maybe some kill lions, proverbial lions and bears, and even attack Goliath, and even lead armies, but they are not ready yet to lead Judah. Because there's another level of anointing. It means there's another level of preparation. Anybody with me tonight? So there's further to go. There's more to do. So don't get ahead. If you're... If your position gets ahead of your anointing, you could end up destroyed. So David had to be anointed with fresh and greater oil. So David developed in that anointing. He developed in that anointing. I want you to see what happened. 
when David was first anointed, he was anointed as potential king of Judah. That was the first anointed, potential king. Then he was anointed as appointed king. So there's potential king, appointed king, and there was a third anointing when eventually he was the ruling king. But there were three levels of anointing. Those three levels of anointing required three levels of preparation. So when David was anointed to do great exploits such as killing lions and bears, and Goliath was not the anointing, that he was appointed to be king, but his time had not yet come because God was going to use Saul for a while and Saul was even going to be a thorn in David's flesh. Anybody with me now? Watch. God is using Saul. He's in a position that David had been anointed of God to fulfill, but so had Saul. And God was not done with Saul I believe that God used Saul to prepare David. Anybody with me now? So you see this struggle going on in Scripture, but it was part of the process of preparation because God said David can handle lions and bears and giants, but he can't handle Judah without there being a Saul in his life because he may get too quick-tempered, too sharp-tongued, there's going to be some struggles in his life and he's got to get past those struggles before he's ready to go to the next level. In that preparation, through that process, David had to develop from being a shepherd to being a warrior to being a ruler. Don't ever get it out of order. Most people want to go immediately to be in the authority, having the say, having all power in their fingertips to type it and in their tongue to speak it, but they have never yet lived it. Am I okay with you tonight? So he had to go from potential king to appointed king to ruling king, but the development was he had to go from being shepherd to warrior to ruler. He had to pay, he had to pay the price. He was first, his potential. David's potential was first recognized in his house when 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 the question was asked, bring bring your sons and let's let's anoint, let's anoint. Well, there's is this all? Is this all? Here's all these, here's all these military fine young men standing to attention. Well, there's, there's another, but surely, surely it's not him. He's but a lad. He's but a shepherd. He's out working. Here's the deal. While all the rest of the boys were in the house, there was one out working. Guess who got chosen? Boy, it's quiet in here tonight. I'm going to tell you who God's going to elevate, those who are willing to get their hands dirty. I'm not just talking about physical labor. I'm talking about those who are working in the kingdom of God. Don't ever criticize somebody that their ministry is growing and developing when you see that they're in the trenches working and doing 
and God is prospering them while somebody else is sitting on the sidelines saying, well, just as soon as my opportunity comes, keep sitting there. Your opportunity is never going to come. But when you get up and start working where you are with what you have, letting God develop you where you are with what you have, you'll find out that new doors are going to open and God will begin to use you. But you've got to look for those opportunities and be willing to be the shepherd. David, watch, David didn't decide, I'm going to come from being the shepherd to my father's house because it's time to be anointed. They had to send for David and bring David back. He didn't even think he was qualified. When It's going to be lineup day and they're going to choose one of the boys. David said, it's certainly not going to be me. God often uses the most unlikely people who think they can't be used. They're the very ones that God chooses to use. He said, there's the unlikely one, but you know where he's at. He's out where he always is on the backside of the desert, smelling like a sheep. Come on up here, because you're the one that's going to be anointed. So he was first recognized among his family. Eventually, eventually he was recognized by the whole tribe of Judah. You understand, right? And eventually... He was recognized by the whole nation. There's a process. I want young people to understand this. You want God to use you. I want God to use you. But there's a process and you will never be able to short circuit or bypass the process and go from point A to point Z to great success. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm... I have a call of God on my life, and God wants to use me to preach conferences. I've, I've had this happen. Pastor, God wants to use me to preach conferences. And I tell you, I go to HYC, I go to youth camp, I go to, to, to NAYC, and I hear those preachers, and God tugs at my heart and tells me, that's what I want to use you. So that's, what, that's where God wants to use me. How many Bible studies are you teaching? Well, that's not my ministry. If you can't deal with sheep, you're probably never going to rule over the nation. You first got to learn, learn to get along with your house before you learn to get along in your city, before you eventually learn to get along with your nation. So you got to start where you are. If you can't get along with your friends, if you don't have a good report with your friends, you're going to struggle to be able to have a good report on a broader spectrum. Anybody with me tonight? So he's first, he's had a, he had a good reputation. One of the greatest, greatest things of honor that could ever be said of you is when your family can compliment and brag on you. When that happens, you have probably just received one of the biggest compliments because they know you when you wake up of a morning. They know how messy your bedroom is. 
they know you when things don't go your way. But when a family member is able to compliment you, when, when they're able to, to see the good in you and to, and, and to be willing to follow you and you can lead them, now you're ready to move to the next level. So there's the process. So grow in the anointing that God has anointed you with. Grow in this anointing until God calls you up out from being the shepherd to now it's time for you to be anointed for the next level. So I, I want to remind, I want to remind, I want to remind you, if any of us are ever going to accomplish the things that God wants to accomplish, first of all, we have to be fully persuaded that God wants to work through us, but we have to work and operate in the area of anointing that we are in now before we start moving to the next level of anointing. If you have a bad attitude at, at the area of anointing that you are operating in now, so you cannot demand or command anointing. It, it, it doesn't happen that way. You have to learn to work where you are and have a good attitude about working where you are. It doesn't matter if you are holding a door open, if you were the one out front tonight scooping up the areas where the geese walk through. I know that's not the anointing that you were looking for. But if that was the job that you were given, first off, thank you very much. Secondly, don't begrudge the small things. Do whatever you have to do. I'd been in ministry a while, was called to go and work in a larger church for a while. I went to Indianapolis to a larger church, had experience, was an ordained minister in the United Pentecostal Church, was serving as youth president over the district. And I got there, and Brother Mooney looked at me one day, and he said, here's your work orders for the next few weeks. This is what you're going to be working on. And it consisted of moving boxes, moving lumber, sweeping floors. And he came in one night about midnight because I was working crazy long hours. My family was at home. And I'm, I'm in Indianapolis and I'm working crazy long hours and I'm sweating, toiling, working. I'll never forget, I'd cleaned out the whole gymnasium at Indiana Bible College and I was sweeping floors and I was preparing props for a drama. And Brother Mooney came in real late and he came by me and, and he said, I just wanted to make sure. He said, why don't you go home? I said, well, I, I've got some more work I need to get done. He said, don't you think that you're above this? That was a, that was a, that, yeah, that was a trick question. That was a trick question. I said, uh, no, sir. Uh, this is what you asked me to do. And he said, um, well, you go ahead and go home because that's what I'm telling you to do. So we'll get some of these Bible college kids to do it. But thank you for doing what you were asked to do. I just wanted to make sure you didn't think you were above that. Wow. By the way, you're going to preach Sunday night. 
my invitation to preach on Sunday night didn't come until I was willing to sweep a gym floor by myself near midnight. When there were a couple hundred Bible college kids laying over in their dorm playing Uno or whatever, and here I was sweeping floors. You've got to work in the anointing where you are and let God use you. And when it's time, God will elevate you. But know this, your elevation and anointing cannot be mandated and it will never come this way. The, the, the anointing always flows down. The anointing always flows down. So the identifying mark of someone is that is going to go to a higher level is someone who is operating in their level of anointing where they are. Now when we speak of anointing, it's often taken lightly. People, it just kind of has become a code word or tag word. People pass by it and they can disregard it as symbolic or even discount it as a metaphor with very little purpose. And um, people talk about being anointed when you are preaching and they, they uh, kind of have diminished the anointing of the minister when he's preaching as to how red he is in the face, how much volume and fervency, and boy, he's anointed now. No, that's called volume and fervency. Has nothing to do with anointing. Intensity to deliver a message or a song, that's not always anointing. But when I speak to you about anointing, I'm referring to something that's much deeper, much more real, much more important than just our gifting. Because where, where, where ministry really comes is when your gifting, your giftings, your talents that are given by God, when those giftings and talents are merged with a spiritual dynamic of anointing, now you've moved to an area of ministry that, that no human is incapable of doing without the supernatural work of the Spirit. That, did that go over your head? Do you get that? In other words, talent and gifting and knowing how to communicate a song or knowing how to play with incredible talent or knowing how to speak and move a crowd with words and phrases those things are giftings and talents, but the anointing that comes through prayer and it is something that is supernaturally designed by God that is given to the person at that moment that they are operating in the, to the best of their ability, then God transforms them from being somebody that, that ha can go this far and then all of a sudden they begin to operate in a realm of the Spirit. It only comes by the anointing. It only comes by the anointing. So the anointing, the anointing is so very important. The anointing is the barrier between humanity and spirit. It becomes the anointing is the barrier between the two. Otherwise, we would glory in our own selves. 
In other words, when we preach and people are moved and they come to the altar, we would glory in how great we preach that caused people to come to the altar. But the truth is, no man can come to the Father except the... No man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. It's not the enticing words of man's wisdom. It is the Spirit that draws them. So when, when, a, when a song is being sung and it's beautifully played, there is an anointing through the rehearsal, through, the, through all of the, the energies and efforts. Thank God for our music team, for our praise singers, for our choir, for those that come early and stay late, that work hard. Thank you because there is an anointing that is established in all of that. And through all of that, coupled with your prayer, when you begin to, to, to perform the song, it becomes more than a performance. It becomes an act of ministry when the anointing falls. Otherwise, it's just performance. And you can tell the difference, and the church can tell the difference. When we are in performance mode and when we are in ministry mode. Am I talking to anybody tonight? There is a difference in being in performance mode sometimes. I, I understand. I understand well. I've been in the church 51 years of my life, and I understand the difference. I, I, I know. I can feel it, man. We're just in performance mode tonight. We need to get out of that and move into the realm of the Spirit where we can move into ministry mode. Then things are being done that is beyond our ability. People's lives are touched and changed because it's the work of the Spirit. That's the anointing between us. So the anointing is what bridges between the flesh and the spirit. Let me, let me demonstrate it to you a little bit. Who can I anoint tonight? Which one of you young men is going to let me anoint you tonight? Need, you're going to let me, Dalton, you will always fall for anything. All right, I'm going to anoint Dalton tonight as a, as a demonstration. Stand up here in front of me. Turn sideways where everybody can see your head. Now, Dalton comes forward for prayer. And I come forward as the minister with oil to anoint him. I take oil. There's not a lot here. I could just pour it on his head. He probably wouldn't appreciate it. So I, I take oil. I put it on my finger. You can see it kind of glow in the light. And when I take that oil, according to James chapter 5, the Bible said, anointing them with oil, the prayer of faith shall save the sick, the Lord shall raise them up. So when I anoint him with oil, I have just touched him. Now, there is a barrier between my flesh, my hand, and the sickness, the need. The oil becomes, the oil is the anointing. And it becomes the barrier between the flesh, me, minister, the flesh, and the need. So therefore, when I lay hands upon him, anointing him with oil, when the prayer of faith saves the sick and the Lord raises him up and he's healed and he begins to dance in the spirit. I had to throw that in. It is not me that healed him. The anointing is the barrier that says there is something between humanity 
and the supernatural work of the Spirit that is the anointing. It is symbolic of a barrier between the flesh and the supernatural working of the Spirit. It is the anointing. That's why no man can glory in the flesh. When we sing and the Holy Ghost moves, it is not because that they were so good that they called the Holy Ghost down or they sang the Holy Ghost down. But it is the supernatural working of the Spirit. Sometimes I can't lay my hand on any one thing. I ask my wife sometimes because, you know, she pays compliments. I preach real bad. She says, oh, babe, you did great tonight. Or she'll say, on Sunday night I go home, I'm so tired. And she'll say, you preached two great messages tonight. And she says it all the time. I listen to her. And um, most of the time I discount it. And occasionally when I'm really down, and sometimes it's easy to get down because it's a Sunday night. I'm tired. I've been up for about 16 hours. I, I study hard on Friday, Saturday, work hard all week, study hard Friday, Saturday, get up early Sunday morning, study, pray, getting ready for service, come in, preach hard, physically exhausted. Sometimes I make it to 11. And last Sunday, three services on Sunday. Don't preach all three. Then I rush back in here, study right up to service time, pray and come in, preach, go out, fellowship with everybody, get in the car, going home. We actually got home earlier than when we go to Applebee's, thank God. And my wife says, babe, you preached two great messages today. And sometimes I just let it slide and sometimes I say, what was good about them? I need more information because it didn't feel like they were very good. And she's like, oh my goodness, did you not see, did you not, did you not see, sometimes I choose rather not to see. Because I don't want to get to a point that I begin to believe the great report that my wife gives me because she's supposed to because she's my wife and I married her because she can give great accolades. And she tells me, even when I preach terrible, how great I preached and encourages me. Because that's her job. And I understand it. And people, good saints of God, come by and shake my hand. And, oh, pastor, you preach so good. I always try to keep that barrier there because I don't ever want to reach the point of beginning to believe the reports of those who want to compliment now, I enjoy that compliment. The flesh enjoys that, and occasionally we need that encouragement. But I have to stop on occasion to remember whatever happened in that congregation had the only thing I can take credit for is I'm the vessel. He is the oil. He is the oil. So there always has to be a, a barrier. The anointing is that barrier between the flesh and the spirit. Let me move along. I'll just take, give me a few more minutes. I, I'm just not going to get as deep in this as I wanted to tonight because I spent way too much time blundering around and laying hands on Dalton. So in Genesis chapter 28, verse 18, I'm going to just skip through a bunch of stuff to try to, to, try to, to, to make a few more points tonight. Um, there was the anointing. It was the first sign of anointing when Jacob uh, spent the night 
rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had laid his head upon that night, used as a pillow, turned it up as a pillar. In other words, his pillow became a pillar and, uh, or a monument, and he anointed it, and uh, he, he, he anointed it, made it sacred, called it a sacred place, gave it a sacred name, and that was the first place in Scripture where we see a physical formal anointing. It was the anointing of a stone and it made it sacred. Solomon's temple was dedicated and when, the, when his temple was dedicated they anointed all the stones and all the utensils and all the stuff was there. Under Mosaic law, people uh, were set apart for sacred purposes. Priests Levites, and they were all set apart for sake. They had jobs. In other words, they had job descriptions. And they were anointed or they were consecrated. And as a form of consecration, they were anointed. Now back under this Mosaic law, they would come. So Brother Danny, he, he's, a great, he's a great drummer, great worship leader. And so they would have came to him and they would have poured oil on his head and they would have said, you're consecrated now as the drummer. And, and they pour water, oil on his head and say, you're consecrated as the worship leader. Or pour oil on his head and you're consecrated as, as the minister. Sister Cheryl is consecrated. And they had specific jobs to do. And they were consecrated by oil, meaning they were set apart or set aside. Now, I don't have the time to expand this, but your consecration to the Lord brings about an anointing that sets you apart for the specific purpose of being used of God. This is why your prayer, your fasting, your holiness sets you aside or consecrate. When you make consecrations unto the Lord, when you consecrate yourself, and say, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to fall in line with the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And you consecrate yourself by your outward holiness and separation from the world. By your apostolic distinction. You ladies wearing dresses, consecrating yourself. You, you men with your appearance and your, your, the, not, your, your actions. There, there's a lot of different types of consecration. Uh, all that you do, your, your distinction of holiness and separation from your dress and your look and your speech, all of these things that you're doing is a type of consecration that brings about a certain level of anointing. That's why you can be used of God. Because you have an anointing that rests upon you. In 1 John chapter 20, the scripture talks about the unction of the Holy One. And that unction, that word translates from the word ointment or to dab or to cover with anointing oil. 1 John chapter 2 verse number 20 talks about the unction from the Holy One. And it is referring to that unction of the Spirit or that inspiration of the Holy Ghost that moves upon you. It, it's referring to it as the holy anointing, that oil that is poured out. In other words, 
when I'm here talking to you and there every now and then I sense it and feel it. it that's, what, that's what the scripture is talking about here. It is a holy anointing that is being poured out from God upon you at that moment to minister and to follow into that vein. That's why that a sensitive individual, whether they are preaching or singing or leading worship, knows, hey, we need to go back into that song again. We need to sing that song through some more. We need to maximize. That doesn't come just through experience and training, but particularly when you feel the unction of the Holy Ghost to say, no, I need to spend a little more time. I know I don't have much in my notes here, but I need to spend a little more time here because the Holy Ghost is ministering and there's a work of the Spirit here. Let's sing it through again. Let's go back into that song. Let's just pause here for a moment. That is the unction of the, of the Holy Ghost. That is the work of the anointing. So the holy anointing oil was used in the tabernacle for the, the vessels, the altar, everything was anointed. So in the Old Testament, this, this podium that I'm using, they would have taken it and they would have anointed it. And uh, they would have gone to every chair and, uh, well, I'm going to talk about this for a moment, but they go to the chair and they anoint that chair and that chair could never be taken out never be taken out it was dedicated you could not use that for anything else nothing else it was consecrated holy so I could go in the kitchen and and if it would have been the Old Testament they'd have gone in and they would have taken the plates and they'd anoint every one of them they'd go through them every one of them gets anointed they all get an they all get anointed and once they are anointed, they could never be taken outside. They couldn't be taken to your home and used for your picnic or your garage sale. I'm going to tell you, I'm fixing to go anoint every lifetime table we have. Every chair that this church owns, I'm going to start anointing those things. And you take them home and they're going to turn green on you if you don't bring them back. Because they're meant to be used for the things of God and for the work of ministry and for the work of the church. And so everything was anointed, meaning it was dedicated for the service of God. When that unction, the Holy Ghost, comes upon you, let me explain to you what that means. That means you are no longer your own. The Lord just poured the Holy Ghost anointing upon you. Now you are bought with the price. You're not to be used for anything else in the world but one service for the work of the kingdom of God. I'm in the world but not of the world. Here I am living in the world. I'm going to school, I'm working a job, but everything I'm doing, I'm, do, I'm doing for the kingdom of God. That's why we talk about living for God and not living for the flesh, not living for the world not living for sports, not living for money, not living for fame, but living for God because we have been anointed and consecrated wholly unto the Lord. I'm on page 3 of 10. How are we going to get there? We're not. We're not. So the care of the holy anointing oil was given to Eliezer who, Eleazar, let me pronounce that correctly and not be lazy with my language, to Eleazar, in later times the duty was relinquished to the sons of the priest. First to the high priest, then to the sons of the priest. 
and thank God for the New Testament because in the Old Testament, the only people that could minister and work in the kingdom of God were the priests or the sons of the priests. So the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood was passed down and no one other than in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, that is not so. In the New Testament, the door swung open uh, to uh, surpass blood relatives and the apostles, uh, the disciples, then most of the, the disciples and others were chosen as apostles and were sent out of God under spiritual authority and anointing to do great things, the work of the prophets and the work of the apostles. And so um, the obligation to the Levitical priesthood was abolished and now the door has swung open where everyone can be anointed and work in the anointing. Aren't you glad for that? But, but, we have an obligation. These young people on this front row have an obligation to grab a hold of the anointing. Our elders that are in this room, you have an obligation to teach them and show them what living for God is supposed to look like. You're anointed for that purpose. The Bible said that the, that the older ladies, the, the older women, teach the younger women. If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander, my mama said. So I bring it to you tonight. Let the older men teach the younger men. Don't criticize how they worship. If you don't come up here and get with them and teach them and show them by example. You've got to live it in front of your family. Heads of households, don't expect your children and your family to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. Lead them in the anointing. Show them what it looks like to be an anointed head of your household. Show them what it looks like to pray, to fast, to study, to be faithful, to be submitted. Show them by example. Lead them and then young people, you have an obligation to grab a hold of what you're being taught. Hold fast to it because there's another generation that's coming behind you and they're in these classrooms tonight and they're looking to you and you're going to be leading them. Some of you already are. You're already affecting them. They're looking to you and it gets passed down and passed down. This is how it works because now we are a kingdom of priests. Am I in the Bible tonight? Because now we're a kingdom of priests, meaning that everybody has the priestly opportunity for the anointing to be passed down and an obligation to pass it down to the next generation. We're a kingdom of priests. We're a kingdom of priests. I'm going to stop here tonight. Maybe I'll pick this back up. I thank God for the anointing. You have an obligation to the anointing. Don't ever, don't ever let anything taint the anointing. If the anointing oil, if, the, if a fly got in the anointing oil, it had to be cast out. If anything that was unholy and unrighteous, anything that was earthly got in the anointing oil, it couldn't be mingled with anything 
the anointing oil was made from pure olives. Pure olive oil, the choice. They took the choice olives. They pressed out the finest of olive oil. They took calamus and cassius and, and cinnamon and myrrh, and they mixed those together. All of those ingredients, all of those ingredients came from tree barks and roots. And of course, the olives came from the came the olive oil came from olives. Every one of them came from. They were a sap or an oil that came from the plant that produced them. And the only way that the anointing oil could come is the olive had to go through the olive press. It had to be squeezed. It had to be put under pressure for the drip of oil to come out of that olive. For that cinnamon and cassius and calamus and myrrh that came from the roots and the sap of the trees, from the bark of the trees. It had to be put through a process of twisting and grinding and pressure until the pressure forced out of it the sap that was within it and it dripped out and it went through more pressure and grinding and pushing and stress as it was dripping until eventually these mixtures could come together to form the holy anointing oil. It couldn't be mixed with anything else. There could be no fly getting it, no dirt getting it, no contaminants had to get in it. It had to remain holy. It had to remain pure. Let me explain to you about your anointing. You want to go to the next level? You want God to use you? You want to be anointed of God? You're going to have to understand that the only way the anointing oil could be made was for the pressure, the twisting, the stress, the things you go through. And I know right now some of these young people may not even understand, but they will. You're going to go through some things in your life that's going to put you through pressure that you never dreamed of. And you're going to feel like giving up. You're going to want to quit. You're going to want to backslide and say, I'm done with it and I'll leave the church over it. And I'm walking out of it. But the truth is, is that God wants to anoint you. And the, and the only way that the anointing can come out of you to the next level is you've got to endure the pressure the stress the, the grinding, the stress everything you're going through is God is pressing some things out of you see you're, you're right now loving this and enjoying this because oh I'm anointed right now you're just anointed of your brethren but for you to go to the next level of anointing you're going to have to go through some things and when you go through some things, the anointing can ooze out of you and go to those that are down beneath you and but that are following you because the anointing always flows down. 
It matters who you're under, who you're listening to, who's speaking into your life, who, whose ministry you're following. It matters. If you're listening to people that aren't preaching the truth, you need to cut them out of your life. You need to get truth preachers, truth teachers. You don't... I don't want any false anointing dripping down on me. I want true anointing, pure. I don't want anything mingled with the things of this world, Brother David. I want pure oil. I want it dripping down. I want to be under a ministry that is dripping down something that is pure because they've been through some trials. And when I go through the trial, I've got to hold fast the profession of my faith and stand when I've done all that I can do to stand. I've got to I keep standing because God is working some things out of me so that those ministries that are coming up under me would be able to receive of that anointing that is being squeezed out of me because they're watching how I handle affliction and they're watching how I handle the hurt and they're watching how I handle the pain and they're learning to see what pastor's going through. They're picking it up. They're watching you, mama. They're watching you, dad. They're seeing what's coming out of you when you're in the trial. Oh, go ahead and give God a shout of praise in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give God praise for a moment. Give God praise for a moment. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Let's thank the Lord for his word tonight. Would you do that? I feel a move of the Holy Ghost in the room right now. Somebody needs to let the Holy Ghost, you need to let that fresh oil pour over you right now. Let the fresh oil of God's spirit pour over you. I know it's Wednesday night, but the anointing is in the room right now. You need to just let that anointing, somebody's got some healing oil pouring over you tonight. There's some healing oil pouring over you right now. There's some wounds in your life. You haven't been handling them well. But the anointing of God is going to pour over you right now. Because there's some people watching how you're handling the trial. How you're handling the test. And they're, they're learning from how you handle it. They're watching you go to God in prayer. They're watching you stay faithful when it would be easier to throw in the towel. Mm, come on, let's just magnify the Lord a moment. Let that healing from God flow into your life right now. All over this room, there is an anointing in this room right now. God is strengthening somebody. He is encouraging somebody right now. You've got what it takes. You've just got to stay in the press. Stay in the press. Stay in the press. Stay in the press. Let him keep working good out of you. Oh, it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. But he's working good out of you. He's bringing something pure out of you. He's working it for your good. People are going to be touched by what you're going through. They're going to be ministered to because of what you're going through. Oh, come on, lift your hands toward heaven right now. Lift your hands toward heaven right now. And just call on the name of the Lord. Oh, let him strengthen you. Some of you have been through some trials. It's God working good out of you. He's working some good out of you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 
Oh, come on, lift your hands toward heaven. Join with me and let this be your prayer. Anointing. Follow me. Hands lifted high toward heaven. Anointing.